Sashira Zameda is a stand-up comedian who you probably recognize from her four-year stint on Saturday Night Live. She'll next be seen in Amy Schumer's movie I Feel Pretty, and she's shooting a pilot for NBC called So Close. We talked to her about her, her career trajectory from show choir in high school to the UCB to creating comedy on her own terms. This is Chaotic Creative with Sashira Zameda. Let's talk about your name. Yes. Uh, it means flower in Indian? It's a, or is it from the Star Trek thing? Like, well, is Sashir is a common Indian name. Is it? Yeah. I don't actually know what it means. Oh. But um, I, when Facebook started, I was one of the first on, on Facebook because I was in college at the time. Yeah. And I was the only Sashir for a while. Yeah. And then eventually when it opened up to anybody could join Facebook, then it was just me and a bunch of Indian men <laughs> with my name. Did so. you guys start a Facebook group? I wish I should have. Sashir's of the All world. Sashir's. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah someone. Like Sashir's here. <laughs> um, but my, my name is, my parents got my name from Star Trek. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's a crystal flower from oh. a different planet. That's what it is. It wasn't the Indian word. No. Uh, were they big Trekkies? They were big Trekkies, yeah. Really? And my mom uh, found the original script where my name comes from and realized that my name is misspelled, or at least according to the script, yeah. there was a differentiation. And my mom showed me the script and was like, do you want to change the spelling of your name? And I was like, I'm 20 years old. <laughs> I was like, it was way too late for that. You'd like, do that when I'm younger if you're going to <laughs> even try, but no. Right. It was just like too much. But yeah, they were, they were, they weren't like so into Trekkie culture that they were like dressing up and going to conventions, but yeah. you know, they watched all the shows, they bought books about it, they watched all the movies. Named their child after a very specific reference in yeah, the show. Yeah, that's dedication. But you know what, it's good the spelling or you can be like you're in the same club as Oprah because like her name was supposed to be like Orpa and oh. they spelt it wrong. Oh wow. On the birth certificate. What does Orpa mean? Orpa is a biblical name. Oh. Yeah. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't you know. know. So no, next time someone you. says, oh my name is a spell, you're like, not only am I part of the Indian group on Facebook, I'm part of the misspelled celebrity group. Exactly. If greats like Oprah can make it, Oprah even with this misspelled name, I can do it too. Yes. Uh, let's talk about your education. You have you went to university. What kind of degree did you get? I went to the University of Virginia, and I got a drama degree. I was I majored in drama and minored in media studies. Oh, so yeah. you got a BA in theater, mm -hmm. not a BFA. No, so not in a general, did you direct shows? Did you produce shows? I did direct shows. Oh, did you? Um, what kind of shows did you direct? I directed the Vagina Monologues. Did you? Because of course, it's you like so on brand for me. Um, you have a vagina, you have, do monologues. And I, yeah, and I want to talk about them. <laughs> and I want other people to talk about them. And I also brought back um, the Paul Robeson Players, which was a African-American theater group yes. that did exist at the, at the school and then, you know, disbanded for what maybe there was like low interest or something and then when I got there I brought it back and then we started a, a playwriting contest so students could write a play and then we would pick one and then we would produce it and direct it and, or I directed it and, and put it on for the students. What do you prefer directing or performing? I prefer well um, I like them both for different reasons I love performing because I have a performative personality and I want to like express myself artistically and get my, my voice out in front of the people. But I also love directing because I like telling people what to do. Mm. <laughs> but you know, that's, it's nice to be able to express your vision in a different way and be able to kind of orchestrate what's happening on the stage or on screen and um, you know, find new inventive ways of doing that. You were in show choir in university? Yeah, or I was in show choir in high school and oh. I did musicals when I went to university. Okay, so yeah. show choir, that's like the show Glee? 
basically, so you yeah. So like perform pop songs. Yeah, <laughs> well, okay. yeah, basically. What was your favorite like hit to like be like, that's my jam, and um, now we're going to jazz hands it. We say a lot of Barbara Streisand <laughs> <laughs> because our teacher really liked Barbara Streisand. So like, what year is this? <laughs> this is like 2003. <laughs> so we're learning everything. We don't we don't know these songs very well, but so we're singing like, like secondhand rows. I mean, I'm a fan now. Yeah. I was into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't rain on my parade. Just like a lot of, you know, the standards. Did you ever watch the television show Glee? I didn't. No, oh. I think I saw the pilot, but I didn't. Oh. I didn't continue. I oh, because like, by that time I was out of high school, so yeah. I. I, I was watched Glee as a grown adult. Oh. A couple okay. of seasons were good. The last few seasons were like no, but they will be like you should watch. I don't know which ones, but there was like they did some Barbra Streisand songs. Yeah, I bet. You might be like, that's my life. Yeah. Uh, musicals. What were your favorite musicals to be in? Um, I was in Godspell oh. in college, and um, I was also in Sugar, which is um, the it's it's the the movie Some Like It Hot. It's in musical form. It's called Sugar. Oh. So that was a Marilyn Monroe movie where um, I can't remember the exact story, but like two men were cross dressing, and then like and they were like in a in a showgirl show. I'm really butchering the story. I can't remember. <laughs> I was in the ensemble, so I, didn't, I don't have to know the plot. I just sang oohs and ahs in the back. Uh, yeah. But I, I met a lot of my best friends from college doing musicals in college. And it's a great community builder. Like when I is. was at the University of British Columbia, I uh, restarted the Musical Theater Society. Yeah. And I directed a lot of the shows, but it's just great to find your people by doing uh, similar work. You yeah. know, like one of my best friends who was in, this is so random, the Musical Theater Society, is was a rugby player. And I cast him as Joseph, oh no, as the Pharaoh and Joseph. Yeah. And we were buds for years and like, you know, like his kids call me like uncle now. And it's like, it's cool to build a community around that. Yeah. In your comedy career, how have you done that from uh, your days in UCB, uh, being in New York, and then even for like the shows and the movies you do? How important is that to have those people now in your professional career? Incredibly important. I, uh, yeah, I started at UCB in 2009 and I still perform there when I can. Yeah. And yeah, my best friends are people I met from that program. And it, it was so nice to be able to meet people who are maybe doing different things. Like you would meet an editor or a writer or a producer or just some person who's trying to make it, which was me. <laughs> and and you could be able to create things together and like bounce ideas off each other. And UCB was just a great place to be able to try and fail and just you know be able to do that in an incubated sp space that wasn't so like, I don't know, judgy. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, the industry would come to watch shows, but like not all the shows. There's still these like, midnight shows where you can just kind of have the freedom to do whatever you want and be weird. Why UCB versus Second City or the Groundlings? I don't know, do they have the Groundlings in New York? They don't, yeah, they I don't. mean, that was the thing. I moved uh, to New York and, yeah. and I think I choose, chose the city over the school. And I didn't even know if I was even gonna do comedy when I moved to New York. I thought I was gonna do theater. I, I was planning uh -huh. on doing Broadway and auditioning for plays and stuff. You're like, I need to do Barbra Streisand songs <laughs> and do a remount of Sugar. I need to continue this love of Barbra Streisand. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I auditioned for plays, and just the process wasn't for me. Mm. Um, you know, I commend people who can do it, but I... The audition process or that, yeah. like... It's a lot of like, you know, because you have to audition, audition, audition in order to even get an equity card. And then like once you get that, then there's like other levels. And I was just like, I don't know. And I knew about UCB because the touring company came to my college and I saw them and was in love and I would still go see shows when I moved to New York and eventually I was like, 
I should just take a class and see. And then I did and I was like, oh, this is where I need to be. And mm. I just kept doing it out of joy and then fun. And also because I felt like the people I was seeing on stage were people who I got. Like I was like, oh, I feel like mentally I understand what's happening here. And, and yeah, and so I stayed. And not even thinking like, oh, this will launch me into a career in comedy or this will put me on SNL. Like I was just like, oh, this is fun. And then eventually it was putting me in the right direction of where I wanted to be anyway. Is there a difference between um, New York UCB and LA UCB culture-wise? Have you experienced their shows? Do you um, see the difference? I don't know. I mean, I've seen shows at UCB LA. I've yeah. performed on the stage before, um, but I I haven't spent so much time there to be able to tell. I, so I don't know. I can't really answer that question. Do you have a takeaway from your time at UCB of something that stands out that was like, I really learned this? Ooh. Um, I really learned to just to create your own stuff hmm. um, because it's very easy to get caught up in wanting approval. So like UCB is a school and there's levels and you take classes and then you pass and then you go to the next level and you go to the next level. I failed my 401 class. Um, I mean, I don't think I should have. I actually probably, <laughs> I probably should have because I was so nervous. I remember oh. being really timid and like, um, like immobile on the back line. Mm. And I guess because I was so worried about not passing that I wasn't able to be free and actually perform the way I should. Right. So I didn't pass and that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because then I took a break from the classes but I just I still performed on my own and then found out what I actually want to do on stage and then found my voice and then got way more reception from audiences and, and shows and bookers once I was doing that than I would have if I just like passed and kept going to class to class. So yeah. I was able to learn like, oh, I just need to do my own stuff and that will probably get me farther if I just then like doing what everyone else is doing or like doing what is supposed to be like the routed course that people are telling you to do. Right. I uh, took a level 101 and 201 in LA yeah. as intensives. When we did 101, the teacher, and I forget his last name, but it was Johnny. He was a very revered teacher. And he said, and it always sticks to me when, I, when it comes to performance or even content creation, always play to the height of your audience's intelligence. Because I feel like sometimes we dumb it down. It's like, oh, this is like, go for the easy, uh, like mm -hmm. the, the easy jokes, the low hanging fruit. And I just thought, oh yeah, the audience is smart and they want to be treated that way. Yeah. And I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. And then when we did 201, Andrew Garfield, uh -huh. uh, Spider-Man, was like taking like 101 and wow. the room over. So I was like, this is so interesting how it brings people from like all levels of careers together. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to what you said about creating your own content. How, how do you do that? Uh, how did you do that then? And how do you do that now that you're uh, more successful in the public eye? Yeah, when I did it then, it was great because it was like the wild, wild west. There was no rules. Like I could really do whatever I wanted, because um, I didn't know better. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I, I didn't get like. Which is really helpful. Sometimes. It is, yeah. Um, I was just like, I want to make this video. Oh, I know this person who has a camera. We'll make it, and then we'll just put it online. As yes. opposed to like, I don't know. I'll try to find a producer, and I'll try. Like I, I didn't know how to do that stuff anyway, so I just would make stuff. And then, uh, you know, and then eventually I was like, oh, maybe I should like incorporate more parts to this to help me out. And uh, I remember asking UCB to help me produce um, some Black History Month videos. And, I, and this was like, truly no one asked me for this at all, but I was like, I'm gonna do an exercise for myself to see if I can write a ton of videos for this one month mm. and, and put them out. 
And and we did that, and it was so fun, and I was able to like have something to show to people and be like, this is my voice, this is what I like to do. And yeah, and now, uh, I feel, well, now there's like all these other components where I guess I could just create stuff and put it online, but now it's like, I'm trying to find money mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to make it like bigger, or like, will this production company do it, or will this studio put it out, or will this website put it out? You know, there's like all these other things that are, are not as fun when I started. Yeah, there's something to be said about like when you don't know what to do. I think some actors who are really successful, um, like back when I was in university, uh, they just like audition. They just didn't have a career trajectory. They're like, I'm just going on an audition. Mm -hmm. Like when I was doing the Musical Theatre Society, the last show I ever directed was The Wiz. Yeah. And like I said, there's not like African Canadians in Vancouver. So it was a very diverse cast, uh -huh. but I didn't know better about production. I'm just like, let's just do the show. But if I would do it today, I'm like, oh, we gotta get a venue, we gotta do the advertising, we gotta get that you know, yeah. equity rights. And I'm like, I mean, that kills the creativity. It does. What did Refinery29, back mm. when you were doing that, yeah. what did you learn from there? Because I think you did it in the early area, uh, early era, where it wasn't like, gotta get the views and gotta do it like this. It was like yeah. more freedom, I believe, back then, or am I mistaken? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think now there's a lot of like, because most everybody's doing some sort of web content mm. or like paid advertisement, like there's all these rule, new rules where it's like, oh, we can't say these certain certain things, or like we have to like make sure these demographics are accounted for, and it's um, yeah. I just I just want to make my stuff and put it out. Yeah, what <laughs> but I you... guess that's what stand-ups for, because that that no one checks me on. That one I can just do whatever I want. What's your writing process for that? I think that's yeah. my uh, challenge that I feel that. Uh, when I talk to people who do it, it's like, do you set aside time for that? Uh, do you make a like a diligent routine about it? And then how do you hone your voice yeah. while you're making something out of nothing? I wish I had a diligent routine. I don't. I I write everything on my phone. Um, if and if I like have an idea, I yeah. just like put it in a folder. And I, I use this app Evernote, and it has like and there's many apps like this, but there's like different folders where I have like. I have a comedy folder and then within it it's like jokes to work on, jokes I don't know what to do with that are finished but I don't know where to put it yet. Um, the jokes that I had in my hour that I don't necessarily want to tell anymore but I'm just, I'm keeping them just because I don't want to forget them. Mm. Uh, jokes for my next hour. Like I just like have them all separated and like that just started in the last couple of years and I've been doing Santa for nine years and, and you know my process has changed here and there, but now I'm getting to a point where I'm like, ooh, this feels good, and <laughs> this feels organized. Because um, it gets hard when you're like, you have all these ideas swimming in your head and you don't know how to like, funnel them into a, a nice, succinct organization. <laughs> That's super exciting to hear that because I actually bought a course on how to do Evernote better, yeah. something called Evernote Essentials, and I, um, I'm a course whore. I buy courses and I never do them. Yeah. And uh, that is encouraging because I think sometimes as a creative, you think that, no, you've got to be chaotic and crazy and like not have a process. Yeah. But you find that when you do organize things, it allows the creativity to flow better? For me, yeah. Because yeah. I, I would get stressed out because I knew that I, would, I wrote something down a few weeks ago that was about this thing, but I don't know what, which notebook I put it in or like where it was. And, yeah. like, and that was just like not helpful. But now I can scroll through and be like, oh, I wrote this thing down like, years ago, and that reminds me of this other thing that I wrote down last week, and yeah. I could probably combine the ideas and make it into a bit. Um, it's just, that's my, for easier for me. Other people, you know, handle it however they want to, but I'm done with writing things down on napkins and, <laughs> and, and stuff. I still do, like, my set list on napkins and stuff, but I, I'm done, like, trying to 
collect paper and and hope that I remember where everything is. Yeah. When you're writing uh, for a show, Pizza Mind, or when you're touring, yeah. is there a different process where you're like, this is going to be out to the public and recorded versus I'm going to do something tonight and people will laugh and we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, when I was putting Pizza Mind together, I was just like thinking about all the stuff that I've done. And I had over an hour of material. So I, I had to, things to pick from. And there was like stuff that I didn't put in the, the special because I felt like they didn't fit the theme or it didn't fit the other material I was doing. And I just tried to have like a flow. Like, um, you know, I, I don't want to just have like, here's a joke and then here's another joke and then here's another joke. I want these things to feel like they're going into each other and making sense and feels, feels like a cohesive show as opposed to like, well, I saw a bunch of jokes today, you know? Mm. So tonight when you're, you're in town now for uh, JFL Northwest, yeah. how do you uh, decide your set for here? Like, do you bring, like, how long is your set tonight? I think it'll be an hour. And a full hour. Yeah. So do you recreate the special and like put some more new things in there or do you do a brand new uh, set when you're touring? I think this will be work? mostly new. There might be a few things from the from the special, but this is like, yeah, this will be a lot of stuff that I'm trying to put in the next special. So, mm. uh, and then, you know, also if I feel moved to try something new or like just talk to the audience, I might do that too. But yeah, this will be, whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. What's the worst audience you've ever been in front of? Hmm. Like when it's like gone south and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> um, I mean, the, 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 well, the audience wasn't bad in this scenario, but I had a really bad moment in Austin. Um, <laughs> oh Lord. <what's> the... <laughs> where you think it's like progressive and cool and like yeah. these hipsters of the south, yeah. but uh, you know, they got their issues too. And <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, doing a show yeah. and there was like 700 people in the venue. And it was going well until I did this last joke that I don't tell anymore, but it, it's, it's a harmless joke. So it was basically like this. I was like, um, so I want to leave you with this. Um, white people do this. Black people do this. Lesbians do this. <laughs> and poor people do this. See what I'm saying? We may all have our differences, but we each look ridiculous doing the dances from Charlie Brown and the gang from the Peanuts. And it yeah, was just yeah. like a very innocuous Peanuts joke, yeah. but as soon as, as soon as I said, white people do this, the audience was like, Bruh! like, it was like the reverse of noise. It was crazy. <laughs> and, and then <laughs> as I kept to... going, there was just like, like, people were like, where is she going with this? And, uh, and then I got to the end where it's like a harmless Peanuts joke and people were like, uh, okay, like they, they couldn't <laughs> regain strength and be like, oh, it's funny. They were just like, ah, oh, okay. I just wasn't prepared for any of that. And yeah. then I asked someone after, I was like, what was that? And, and they're like, oh, well, like, you know, there's a gentrification problem in Austin, as in most cities. And, uh, and you know, they don't address it. And there's like lots of other race things they don't address. And I'm like, that's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just doing, I just came to town to do some comedy, but uh, yeah, that happens sometimes where I'll do sets and you can like literally hear assholes tighten up, but I just try to push through. <laughs> How do you think comedy serves as activism or uh, using your voice as a catalyst for change? I mean, I think comedy has always been like that. I, I feel like our job is to reflect what's ha what we see in society mm -hmm. and kind of put a mirror on it for people to, to be able to interpret it however they want. Um, 
So yeah, people use their voice in different ways. I just talk about things from a personal standpoint. So I talk about things that confuse me or anger me or excite me. And, uh, and a lot of that happens to do with me as a person being a woman or a black woman and a black woman in America. And uh, by proxy, those things can be political. Mm. But uh, you know, people can interpret what I'm saying however they want. How does that uh, anger rage, depression, darker emotions, fuel comedy, which, you know, hopefully turns into robust laughter. Yeah. How does that work for you? Well, we all experience those things. Mm -hmm. And I like my comedy. It, it, even though it starts from a personal place, I like to think that what I'm saying is universal and people can still listen to it and relate to it. So I've talked about going to therapy and being sad or being angry or frustrated with what's happening in the news and people will be like, oh, thank you for saying that. I felt the same thing. Or like, I felt crazy for not saying anything about it. Or, you know, it's just nice to have a release or have someone say something that you've been like, yeah, I, I haven't been through that exact thing, but I know that emotion and, and I can connect to what you're saying more because you expressed yourself in such a open way. Um, I can't help but be truthful. <laughs> I, I, sometimes it's to a fault, but I, I like being able to just say what I really feel, like the things I'm saying on stage are things I would say in conversations too. So I think people feel closer to me because they're hearing me say these things that are so honest and uh, hopefully you're getting a lot out of it. When you're creating content, what uh, resonates more for you? Uh, live performance, uh, sketch comedy, video content? What is the something that you're like, I get, my, I get into the flow easier? Stand-up I think has been the, the form that has taken precedent over the other forms that I do, yeah. just because, I, I don't know why. I guess I, I just really enjoy it. I really yeah. enjoy writing, I really enjoy performing, and it's just such a, for me, easy way to be able to express myself immediately, as opposed to like writing a sketch, and then we have to find other people to be a part of the sketch, and find people to produce the sketch, and are we gonna film it, or are we gonna put it on stage? Um, you know, stand-up, it feels like such a pure, oratory form that you know has has been with us for centuries where I mean and you know we've called it different things we don't we didn't call it stand-up centuries ago but mm. the idea of being able to go in front of people and just speak and just express your thoughts and and deliver the news or deliver the the humor or deliver some sort of catharsis that's always been with us and I really like that and I really like being part of that history and um, I feel like I can go anywhere and do that. I don't need anything else. I don't need other people. Sometimes I don't even need a mic. I can just stand and just speak and, that, and be able to create a connection and create an experience for a group of people that I don't even know. And I like that. What's the anatomy of a good joke? Putting together something that you think is hopefully going to resonate with laughter in an audience. Um, I think it should start with truth. Hmm. Some people don't, and that's okay. But I like to start all my my jokes with uh, a kernel of truth that comes from me. That because yeah, yeah. also like why why would I be writing it if I don't know anything about it? Mm -hmm. um, and some and then and then uh, an expression of what the truth is, like a story or um, an anecdote, and then a spin that will make the audience be able to connect to it. So like I so for me yeah it starts personal. I expound upon it, uh, get the audience involved in some sort of way, and then 
a punch at the end. <laughs> mm. um, which could be, you know, uh, a twist. I feel like when I started doing stand-up, I had a lot more misdirects, which I don't like anymore because I feel like I myself in my life am being more direct, so I don't find those funny anymore. Um, but a misdirect is where you like you think the joke is going one way and then you do like a th a, the opposite at the end, which is like fun. Uh, but now I'm just like, here's exactly what I think. <laughs> You're, there's no question about it, and um, that's it. <laughs> and you can have that and do whatever you want with it. What did Saturday Night Live teach you about writing in a boot camp kind of scenario where like you got to create so much content every week? Yeah. Like that to me seems hella stressful. Yeah. What did you learn from that? I definitely can write faster. Yeah. That would that's such a wonderful skill that I uh, really developed over the years because uh, you have to you have to write at least one or two sketches a week, mm. and then we had twenty weeks, twenty two weeks. Um, and then you either love it or you hate it, and they either love it or they hate it. And then also, like, it helped me to be able to kill my darlings and not be so attached to my work. Because I feel like before I even started SNL, I would write something and be like, this is it. This has to be it, and it's mm. going to be perfect. And if it changes even a little bit, I'll fucking lose it. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> like, if I get a note on something, I'm like, all right, fine. Like, I'm just so much better about collaborating and being able to take notes and understanding why things need to be changed or shortened or elongated or whatever and also realizing that that's not going to destroy the the project it's just going to change it and that's okay because yeah. there's a, other hands involved and so we all have to be able to leave feeling like we have some part of this thing yeah, um, yeah I feel like I definitely left a better writer than I came in yeah Super liberating to be able to let go when yeah. you have an abundance of work. You're like, this isn't the only thing. That's I can yeah. Do other stuff. That's another thing I learned too, because we also just had to generate so many ideas. I feel mm. like I'm better at being able to create more mm. because I know I can, mm. and also being able to the idea of just like throwing things at the wall and being like, hope it sticks. Like I mm. didn't have that attitude before. It was like, I don't know. I I, I had that fear of like, well, what if it's bad? And and that kind of arrests you and, and makes it so you don't even try. Hmm. And now I'm like, well, let's just try. Yeah. It could be bad, who knows? Let's give it a try and then if it works, we'll just keep doing that. If not, we won't. So what happens when you level up? So you get um, a platform, you get more recognized and then you're like, well now what do I get to create? What do I get to do? How do you make those decisions? Who do you have, like, what does your agent say that you uh, end up in a movie with Amy Schumer? Mm -hmm. Wait, are you, you play, I haven't seen it, obviously, yeah. but do you play a SoulCycle instructor in there? I'm the, yeah, I'm like the front desk person at oh. SoulCycle. SoulCycle yeah. crazy. Yeah. Just opened around the corner. Yeah. Um, uh, from that and also your pilot that just got picked up. Yeah. Uh, did it get picked up? Like, it's going well, to series? It's, it's or just, just the got like the pilot? Yeah. So, so see, close. Uh, yeah, bought the pilot, and then if they like it, they'll, they'll, by the series, so we'll see. So how does that work, um, getting these opportunities now? Like, What do you have to do to go, obviously, I think if we think of it like in terms of a um, video game, it's like yeah. achievement unlocked, you just leveled up. Yeah. How do you get to even get in that game to level up? Like, what do you have to do? I mean, the entertainment industry is so strange and sure. like, loose and fluid where there's no rules mm. to that. So there's, it's not like, oh, because I did this, I get to do this now, or because I know these people, I get to do that. Like there's, like I did, I'm doing the Amy Schumer movie because I know Amy, mm. and she's always been so supportive of me and so wonderful, and she put me in her sketch show when it was on air, and 
um, yeah, I didn't even have to audition. She was just like, you're doing this. And I was like, I am. <laughs> and, nice. and, and that's so wonderful. Um, and, you know, hopefully because people see me do well in that, I'll do more things like that. Um, but so, but the, and then the So Close uh, pilot, I auditioned for that mm-hmm. and booked it. And, and that didn't come from like me knowing someone or even them seeing me perform before. <laughs> they saw what me. are your tips for auditioning? I hate auditioning. What do you? I do too. Um, it's the worst. This one, uh, it's honestly, this was one of the few ones where I was like, I'm actually going to really try. Oh. Like this one in SNL are like the few ones where I was like, I'm actually going to give 100%. Because usually my attitude is like, oh, this is stupid, like whatever. And it's such a like defeatist way of thinking of being like, uh, if I don't try and I don't get it, then it's like, oh, well, I didn't try that hard anyway. But it's like, what if I just tried hard? Who knows? And then even if I don't get the thing and I try hard, that still feels good because it's like, oh, clearly they didn't want me. Even though I put everything out on the floor, mm. I gave it my all and I didn't get it. That's okay, because that means they wanted something else. Um, so yeah, I for the So Close audition, I saw an acting coach. I like really memorized the words. I tried to like find choices in it. And I guess my advice would be like try to find what you think is funny if if it's comedy, <laughs> what you think is funny within the the words, and 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 heighten it because. The writer knows why they think it's funny, but I think they also want to see why you think it's funny. Mm. And if you can bring something to it that they weren't expecting, that's that's like a bonus. In you mentioned the in entertainment industry can be a little bit crazy, a little bit difficult. In the face of insecurity, when people are like, I don't know, I don't like your shit. This isn't working out. You leave a project, you're it's not working. But when you take control in the chaos of it all. What is your best practice for being able to overcome the, the disorganization, the insecurity, to be successful on your terms? Damn, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess keeping steady with things that I really enjoy. So like, even if I'm like, I don't know how to crack this movie script, or I don't know how to meet with this person, or I don't know how to whatever. Uh, I do know how to do stand-up, and that makes me feel really good. And I feel like I can always go back to that and find joy, and also connect to people and connect to an audience, and and still get things from it. Um, So it's like, don't let go of the things that you really love, or the things that make you happy. Because even though it's like, me doing stand-up's not writing a movie, it is work still, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's still fulfilling, so it still feels like I'm doing, and that can inspire more things, because like, oh, this new joke is making me think of like a longer idea, or maybe this idea is, is a sketch, or like, you know, I also have like a list of ideas that are like, I don't know what it is yet, and it's fun when you get to be able to play with it in different forms, and then eventually find where it's supposed to be. Um, I don't even know if I answered your question, but <laughs> I guess, um, I I keep going because I like, well, I like to work. Mm-hmm. I, do, I can't stand not working. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even if I I don't have a job, I feel like I, I'll create a job for myself and that's usually what turns out to be the best thing anyway. Most of the big moves that I've made in my career have been things that no one asked me to do. <laughs> like, um, I mean, SNL found out about me because I created an improv group at UCB. And we formed because none of us got on house teams. So like, 
we we could have and we wanted to like follow the rules and climb the ladder like everybody else climbing the ladder but then we couldn't because we were told <laughs> we you can't be on a house team this year so we we're like all right we'll just start our own show and perform all the time and we were great and then we got attention and then we started getting attention in in these big career ways and so it's like uh you know when when doors close just create your own <laughs> and and bust through I love that. I love what you just said about that. It's like, when you don't have a job, just create your own work. Love the work and do the work. Because that's, I found that sometimes in my own career. It's like, um, I haven't loved the job, but I do love the work. Yeah. And I think that's super insightful. Yeah. Also, be able to recognize when you need to stop doing the work. Because there have definitely been projects where I'm like, ah, I feel like I should be doing this, or I feel like I should be writing this. And then I'm like, well, is it making me happy? And then if I'm like, if it's like no, then I'm like, well, why am I doing it? Just because I think I'm supposed to do it? Maybe I should stop. And then I'd stop, and I feel great. <laughs> so I'm also a big proponent of stopping and quitting and being able to find what is important to you in the moment and prioritizing your work that way. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us yeah. here. I love that. Um, I'm super inspired. I gotta just. Do oh great! Work. Yeah. What? I love that. Love your work and do the work. And if you don't love it, then pivot. If you want to find out more about Sashir Zameda, go to dailyhive.com. And if you want to share your inspirations that you got from this with me, hit me up on social at Zane Megji. And as for this podcast, please subscribe and rate and review. Thanks for listening and watching Chaotic Creative.